Family meeting after. Welcome to Family Meeting, a Peaky Blinders podcast, sub podcast of Up Yours Downstairs. I'm Kelly Anakin. <laughs> and I'm Amy Schneider. What a welterweight you are, <laughs> Amy. Yes. Boy, our series of corporate shell companies is really throwing us off here. Listen, it's practically the holidays. I am out of fucks to give about the Shinehart wig company. Fair, fair. Everything I do is fair. <laughs> so we are here to discuss episode two of season four of Peaky Blinders. That is correct. This was a good episode. It was, as peaky as ever. Yes. And Horse Bitch returns. Spoiler alert. I was quite excited. Yes. I was jumping uh, up and down. Shaking my fists, thanking the powers that be, i.e., fuck, what's his name? Steve Knight! <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, yes. I, was, I literally you were wanted fact... to say Steve Holt, but... Yeah, no, it's tough, but you, you were, in fact, very excited. I was there, I can attest. Everybody was there. What a good time. So, shall we dive into it? Ah, uh, yes, let's do it. So, we open up in Small Heath, Birmingham... And the streets are empty. A little boy is in bed. I assumed this was Charlie, since there's no other kids we care about. We never see John and Esme's kids, by the way. Oh, right. Even though they apparently have a bunch of them. (laughs) Right. That was a big deal at one point. Well, because John had kids from his first wife. Right, right. It's easy. Like, it's insane that this show, like, this is only season four of a series (laughs) that has six episodes per season. And, like, so much has happened. Yeah, like in in the old days, you know, this so this is like episode twenty or something. We'd still be in season one. Yeah, exactly. You know, there'd be a there'd be a caper of the week, <laughs> right? Although I don't think that's true for British shows. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I mean, as far as I know, you'd think we would know more given <laughs> the length of time this podcast has been up and running. Yeah, you'd think a lot of things. Killian is there, yeah. and good news, everybody. He's completely <laughs> naked. Yes. He's totally nude. He's except you as, don't as see anything good be. because it's TV. Well, right. It's but such still. a ripoff. Like, the president's a rapist and I can't see Dong on TV. <laughs> Come on. Everybody's consenting to that Dong. Yeah. The person uh, whose Dong it is, the cast, the crew, the production team, me, the viewer... Most importantly, the viewer at home, which is Kelly. Yeah. I want Dong. <laughs> You've been very vocal about it for years, I actually. I know. Come on. You know, hashtag me too, but wanting to see <laughs> Dong. <laughs> right. Well, you could really use that hashtag for a lot of things. It's pretty generic. You can, but I feel like at this moment you should be cautious. <laughs> I mean, yes, obviously. Anyway, I think more Nick Cave is playing. Yeah, probably. His caterwauling is scoring this whole thing. He has so, a line about seeing Jesus's face in his soup, so that seems pretty heavy. <laughs> oh, must be Nick Cave. <laughs> so we're getting flashbacks to where we left off last time with mm-hmm. Esme running to John, and then there's like intercuts with the family looking at Michael and John, and like Michael's been rushed to the hospital, but like the lighting is really confusing, so it's very yeah. hard to see. What exactly is going on? It's it's a directorial choice that's maybe a bit much. So, you know, I know Steve Knight doesn't direct these. Yeah. But Steve Knight. We still hold it. The buck stops with Steve Knight. <laughs> I think you mean the pound. <laughs> we see Polly with Michael at the hospital being very upset, as you would expect. And then Killian comes in with some younger blinders, and she is, doesn't want kids there. She wants fucking soldiers and people who have served, and keeps, like, shoving past the trained medical professional to go tell Michael it'll be okay. And they're like, hey, stop it. I thought she was talking about the surgeons for some reason. No, but That it makes was, much yeah. more sense, what you've said. Yeah, yeah. I was I was like, what difference does it make if they fought in the war? Like, <laughs> yeah, like they're here they're, right now. Like they're of- they're in a neighborhood where you are, so they've presumably got experience getting bullets out of people. Right. That said, there's no level of unreasonableness for Polly that would be out of character in this episode. So that is incredibly true. So then we <laughs> yeah. see Killian and Arthur in the morgue, and John is dead. He's dead. I. 
was very surprised. I commend uh-huh. you, Steve Holt. Steve Holt. <laughs> I commend you, Steve Knight. Yeah. For making this choice. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was really skeptical mm-hmm. because, well, like, in the episode that we found in a box on the street, <laughs> I feel like the the still shot on the file, John doing mm. something, you know, and being alive. <laughs> right. The main thing was that he was alive. <laughs> yes. He was like sitting in a chair, out, perhaps. Breathing, having a pulse. And it's astonishing how emotionally affecting this show can be. Yeah. Considering that like... And we're going to see further down the line in this episode, just Tommy Shelby is a changed man, even from the previous season. Yeah, yeah. And this, wow. Like, I feel like it's the combination of having sold his family out and saving them very narrowly Mm -hmm. at the end of last season. And then John is the youngest brother, apart from Finn, Mm -hmm. who up until this point is not a Peaky Blinder proper. Right, right. Anyway, Killian says in the bleak midwinter, mm-hmm. and he's like prompting Arthur to say it because in the hole they promised something vague, but right. Arthur doesn't want to look at John. And, you know, yeah. just imagining what Arthur's going through. So he's the oldest brother. Mm-hmm. He failed as the head of the gang. Mm-hmm. He's now failed in his more, you know, natural order of things duty to die before his almost youngest brother Mm -hmm. this is a little you know off off topic but i really need for arthur to get a better wig i (laughs) really hate this wig or if it's his hair i know he's supposed to look disheveled and upset right well but see this you know we were speculating last time about how they really stick with that peaky blinders haircut well this is what happens when they try to go rogue Do you mean the hair department or the Peaky Blinders? The Peaky Blinders. If they try to grow any other haircut, it just looks, you know. Stupid. It's so unnatural. Yeah. I'm like, shouldn't you be doing Shakespeare at a community theater somewhere? Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here, Horatio. Arthur finally says in the bleak midwinter. Mm-hmm. And then Esme storms into the morgue and throws one of the lead gypsy curses on Tommy again. Yes. Tommy's got more curses on him than uh, an episode of South Park. I don't know. <laughs> sure. That's not a funny joke. Well, you tried. That's the important thing. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right, actually. That's not. What, what's we important have one is job on this podcast. <laughs> she asks for Tommy and Arthur to leave. It's time for her to be alone with him. It's time for her to speak. So she takes all of John's jewelry and all of, you know, his important things. She's very magpie about this. And she says that she is taking the children on the road to be with decent people away from the curse Mm -hmm. on his side of the family. It's always just funny to hear somebody say decent people and mean gypsies, but... I mean, honestly, she's not wrong, you know? No, she's not. They've cut through a lot of... You know, they're just hippies. Like... (laughs) They don't want to help anyone or hurt anyone. Well, some of them. Uh. (laughs) But, you know, by and large, like, that's where she was raised. You know, John has enough experience with that side of his life. I thought this was because, you know, we were talking in the last recap about her potentially stepping up and taking on a leadership role. Mm -hmm. But after seeing your husband get gunned down for no reason, I can see why she wants to go back on the, uh, the road. Yeah. Yeah, for sure seems like a better situation when being hunted by the mafia. We see Killian getting into a bathtub and lighting a cigarette, and then uh, Finn Living knocks the dream. On- That's right. And then Finn knocks on the door. Hey, remember him? Yeah, he exists. Again. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Isn't he the one? Like, he's actual brothers with the guy who played John, I think. Yeah, or... Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Maybe. Are we that gonna sounds- check? No, no. No, we're not. No, we're not gonna check. I just remember him being a kid in season one, remember? God, he was a baby. Yeah. Things are terrible now. <laughs> yes, they are. I mean, um, they were terrible then, but they're somehow more terrible or now. Yeah. I suppose, you know, the correct assessment here is mo money, mo problems. This is uh, as true now as it ever was. But anyway, yeah, Finn says that they're gathering. Killian really could have planned this bath better. Listen, sometimes you want a bath... And it doesn't fit everybody else's schedule. I guess not. So everyone's gathered in the parlor and Killian walks in. I'm like, how long were they waiting for him to finish his bath, 
put on his many layers of clothing anyway uh, uh as long as he damn well wanted them to wait yeah that's true but i don't know are you familiar with killian in this show <laughs> guess how many fucks he's got left yeah he doesn't seem to have many no it's negative seven <laughs> Negative seven fucks. Yeah. Polly says no because of her magic powers. She knows that he will live. And everybody's um, like. I do feel e- it's important right now because we're talking about Polly being able to communicate as ghosts. I recently came out as a ghost. Yeah. Hashtag national coming out as a ghost day. <laughs> wow. You're pretty good at manipulating physical objects for a ghost. I know. Right. Listen. Or is that offensive to say? Listen, it's all pretty offensive to ghosts to be perfectly honest the only way to stop offending a ghost is to kill yourself oh wow yeah that doesn't sound worth it to me you know sorry that you hate my people i do and if asked to make a cake for their weddings i will refuse (laughs) nobody's ever going to ask you to make a cake for anything amy i would hope not (laughs) i mean i wonder i feel like that would be more surprising than you being a woman just like somebody being like, oh, I know who could make a cake. Amy. Right. Everybody would be like, Amy makes cakes all the time. She's very good at it. I mean, you enjoy watching others bake. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't either. I don't know why I'm being so surprised. I'm a ghost. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, right. Sure. Listen, that's my ranking. Watching people bake, then eating baked goods, then actually baking. You used to like baking. Yeah, that's true. But only I mean, that tart. Yeah, only that tart. That's like, you know, that's not saying much. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Yeah. So Killian, Killian explains about the Changretta's Vendetta, which I just noticed rhymes. Changretta uh, Vendetta. <laughs> it's like a Shel Silverstein poem. Changretta Vendetta. It means lots of worries. <laughs> <laughs> For the rest of your days, which are numbered. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Arthur pulls out a bullet that he's written Luca's gun on and says that when the time comes, he will kill Luca. Do they know that writing somebody's name on a bullet isn't magic? <laughs> uh, I don't know. They think a lot of things are magic. I know, but they're wrong. Like, <laughs> I would sooner, listen, I would sooner believe that Polly has magical powers and can communicate with ghosts than I would <laughs> believe that Arthur could execute on any plan, let right. alone executing a plan to execute someone. Right. Notably, they're not all like, oh, well, seems like Arthur has this under control. Meeting over. Yeah, I mean, that haircut alone. <laughs> right. I don't know whether it's now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure in this episode he does cut his hair. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think he goes back to the old uh, Peaky Blinder look. Yeah, my brother almost has a Peaky Blinder haircut right now. Oh, my gosh. I know. Well, I think it's unintentional. I think it might just be a bad haircut. <laughs> okay. And he's very blonde, so the contrast isn't there. I was going to ask which one, but I realized we don't need to put his name out on the internet associated no, with don't. the bad haircut, so we can discuss later. <laughs> <laughs> Killian talks about the fact that there has been bad blood between them and says that everybody will need to stay together in Small Heath until this business is done because they're safe there and they know every face and everyone's a soldier in their army. I don't like... I mean, there is no specific point, but just throughout this whole fucking scene, Polly is so unhelpful. She's unhelpful the whole episode. However, let's focus on the positive, which is that Jeremiah and his son Isaiah are back. Yes. Yes, indeed. Hooray. Hooray. I would love to get a bunch of scenes of Jeremiah just like talking about his crazy ass interpretation of God's law. Yeah. Because he is a soldier for the Peaky Blinders, but... Uh, also a preacher like you know that's uh i that would be in fact quite interesting so we'll see if they ever find time for that killian says they need more men so he's written to abarama gold which that does is a not made sound, up name yeah that does not sound like a name i couldn't no. i can't even figure out what it sounds like, like i think it sounds like a kind of apple oh yeah that's good yeah an abarama or a gold. potato yeah you know, some kind of starchy produce for sure. <laughs> or like a, a British chocolate bar brand or, yeah. <laughs> or maybe like an upscale like bourbon. Yeah, yeah. Literally anything but a human being. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a kind of credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you get 5% cash back. Or they kill you. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
So high risk, high reward. Yeah, Johnny Dog's not thrilled about this. He says that they are savages and they don't even allow them at the fair. And oh my god! Yeah, and when they're not allowed that at the fair, they then go around stealing horses. And Johnny Dog's like stealing from their own people. I'm like, but are you their own people? You wouldn't let them in the fair, like right? They're gonna do something. <laughs> this is like when a comedian gets banned from an open mic. Like it doesn't happen often, but it's <laughs> always for a very good reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Killian has spoken to Moss about finding Luca Changretta. Oh, and that's where Polly's like, ugh, Moss. It's like, look, if you don't have anything to add, and but the cops are too busy because they're worried about the Bolsheviks. Ada has the best line of the episode. <laughs> because she says, the Bolsheviks couldn't plan a fucking picnic. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because as long as the cops are worried about them, they're not going to worry about gangsters. Killian says that they have to end the war among the family and he needs everybody to vote on it. So people go around saying peace. Finn says peace. And Arthur's like, shut up, Finn. And Tommy says, no, he's he's a real Peaky Blinder now. Let's him sit at the table. Comes to Polly. She does not say peace, but rather truce. Then Tommy looks at Linda, who doesn't really say anything. And he's like, all right, five peace, two truce, one abstention. One abstention. Let's go to war. And well, I think Polly was complaining about, you know, Michael not being there. And just like oh, right. throwing, it's like you're wasting time. The Italian mafia is coming <laughs> to kill you. Yep. They have already succeeded in killing one of you. <laughs> this is not the time to be a bitch. Yeah. Agreed. Unless you're being a bitch in a proactive way. That mm-hmm. is hobbling the Italian mafia. <laughs> right. Yeah. Be a bitch to them. So I think, is that where, I just, I can't remember where the credit, you know, where the theme song kicked oh, in this episode. Right. I don't know I usually know write either. it down, but I didn't. So sorry, yeah. everybody. I think it was probably after the scene in the morgue, but I'm not sure. It's entirely possible. But anyway, I think, yeah, new plan. Just uh, have Polly talk to Luca for like half an hour and it'll be like, fine, I'm leaving England and never coming back. <laughs> so we cut to Curly. Curly's hey. back, everybody. I love mm-hmm. Curly. And the gang, the gang being, you know, various Peaky Blinder soldiers, they're unloading a whole mess of pistols mm-hmm. and they look civilized enough. So these are presumably not Abarama Gold's uh, Abalama Ding Dong <laughs> group. I suppose, yeah. And they're playing some kind of boogie rock. Yeah. The BBC was not particularly obliging with the boogie rock. No, I know. And may, sh- Maybe when the Netflix is released, maybe it'll have the boogie rock captions. But you remember last season, it was very spotty with the boogie rock. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me like Charlie's like questioning some of these men's loyalty and like where they're from. Mm-hmm. So like making sure that they're actually Peaky Blinders. He makes them like take off their hats to get a look at them. And then he quizzes them about local football. <laughs> yeah. And they've uh, they've run out of bullets. So Johnny Dogs' crew goes to find more. Yeah. I just like do. the... Yeah. Which is just the only part I liked. That was kind of pointless, but Curly's like reaction, like he looks at like, we've run out of bullets. And he's like very concerned for a moment. I love Charlie. Yeah. If Charlie dies this season, I am going to write an all caps email. (laughs) That'll show him. It won't. I know. He won't read it. (laughs) A bunch of assistants might laugh about it while they're getting tea or whatever they do on their breaks. So it's time for John's funeral, which he is apparently requested to have in the gypsy style where he gets burned in a wagon with his possessions, which... That is a really great kind of funeral, and I would like to log a request for that if that can be arranged somehow. Well, okay. You're going to need to acquire a wagon. If I do, then it's one of my possessions that is burned for me. Although I do think it's silly to burn your possessions. Right. I do like, too. You know, if they're shitty possessions, like for example... <laughs> bury me well not bury me burn me in my team emmett sleep shirt from twilight you know because i love that but nobody else would want that it's falling apart by the way (laughs) i'm devastated because i'm like i don't know where i'm gonna find another one of these that's a i don't know where you're going to find i don't know how you found the first one shipped them all to a third world nation when they didn't sell yeah that's well that's what uh at the end of the twilight series they waited to see which one she ended up with and then then all the other all the others got sent yeah, but Team Emmett was a joke shirt in the first place. Yeah, I know. 
because he's like the bro. He was with Rosalie. Like he wasn't going to be with. Anyway, look, I don't have time to get into Twilight with you right now. What a shame. So yeah, we actually we get the actual reason they keep saying in the bleak midwinter all the time. I was surprised and delighted. Yeah, back in back in the war, John and Arthur and Tommy and Jeremiah Danny, and Freddie Thorne mm-hmm, and Danny Wisbang. <gasps> Fuck. Yeah. I uh, always th- forget about Danny Wisbang, and mm-hmm. then when I remember about Danny Wisbang, so that means Danny Wisbang almost died twice before he actually died finally the third time. Yeah. Yeah. Because he totally thought Tommy was going to shoot him in the head. Mm hmm. He did. But yeah, they were all cut off behind enemy lines, out of ammunition, just sort of waiting to die. And Jeremiah suggested that they all sing In the Bleak Wind Winter. And then when they survived that, they all agreed that from then on, everything in their life was extra. And it's a moving little eulogy, which Polly decides to interrupt. By being like, oh, and how have you used your extra time? My only note here is all caps. Polly, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. And just (laughs) the look that Tommy gives her is just like, is just like pissed and just exhausted and just like, Jesus Christ, it's good. So there's two Italian guys futzing with something as Arthur lights the wagon. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're drawing a bead on the family. And then Aiden Gillen and his wig stab this guy. Aiden Gillen's wig. Whew. I'm not sure what's worse, his wig or Arthur's wig. I'd like to see them in some sort of wig off. <laughs> Somebody shoots. This is all very confusing, but I think that's by design. Because mm-hmm. Killian says for the family not to return fire. The men shooting are on their side. Then Polly goes off again on Tommy for using them as bait. And I'm like, why... Polly, he always uses you as bait. This is like <laughs> the fundamental characteristic of his relationship with his family. Yeah. You might as well tell a fish not to swim, a bird not <laughs> to fly, a Kardashian not to selfie. <laughs> so he tells Finn to go light some fires somewhere. That's like a signal to some other people. And I guess so, yeah. They tipped off the local Italians about the funeral themselves in order to draw them out because Mm -hmm. they've been made aware of the vendetta and they're trying, you know, to look big in front of the Americans. Right, right. And Ada's wearing a fucking gorgeous coat in this scene that was very distracting as extremely (laughs) plot crucial things were happening. (laughs) It's a very nice coat. Tommy also goes off on Polly and Mm -hmm. Linda. Basically, his whole thing is like, we all need to stay in Birmingham if we leave, we're going to be killed. Linda tries to leave and Ada does her uh, codependent enabling thing <laughs> and goes up to Linda and she has the key to, I forget, it's like Water Water Street or something like that. Yeah. Some and shitty Small Heath address. She manages to talk Linda into staying in Small Heath because the Italians will use the baby. Mm-hmm. As part of this vendetta. And that's what finally convinces Linda to stay and not go back to the country. Yeah. And she says something about the, the only way any of you Shelbys are leaving this place is like John did up in smoke. And mm-hmm. Ada says, well, you're a Shelby now, too. Mm-hmm. Which is a fair point. Yeah. Like, why did Linda marry into this family? Uh, You know, she thought she was going to save Arthur. Listen, ladies, if you're listening, like, I don't care if it's Arthur Shelby or Kylo Ren, you can't save him. (laughs) Save your damn self. Yeah, for real. They take the dead Italians to Charlie's yard and Aiden Gillen is like tipping his hat and gillening it up. I'm like, didn't he already play this role like 17 times? (laughs) It's the role he was born to play. Ah, uh, Abilema Ding Dong. <laughs> so yeah, and, and Curly rose out with the body. is going to leave him somewhere to send a message and uh, brings Finn along. Uh, Curly asked that they save him some goose. So I guess they're going to cook the geese that they were going to have at Tommy's house for Christmas. Yeah, makes sense. Polly goes to see Michael in the hospital and yells at the snoozing security guys. Yeah. I, I mean- wonder if this is like, because I feel like... Everything I've ever seen in media where anybody is like, oh, I'll keep watch. They always fall asleep. If any of... Mm -hmm. It's like you have one job, to stay awake. Yeah. No, I think like, at least in the Civil War, depending on the circumstances and the severity of your commander, you could be shot for falling asleep if you were on sentry duty. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. Like, the whole point of you not being asleep is to protect (laughs) everybody else. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh my god. Can we have a brief Star Wars diversion here? Oh sure. I promise relates. So okay, if you haven't seen Star Wars The Last Jedi, stop listening to this and go do that. <laughs> well, what right. is wrong with you? Yeah, come on. So anyway, I feel very strongly that Poe Dameron needs to be punished because <laughs> he is the entire reason that like most everybody died in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like he kept I mean he kept disobeying their plan orders. Would have 100% worked to go with in the transports off of the ship to crate. Mhm. And he got so many people killed. Yeah. Because, you know, Benicio del Toro would never have been on that Star Destroyer or whatever. No, and he never would have heard the plan. Right, right. Moreover, how much did you love Benicio del Toro? I loved him a great deal. I love any time you get a chance to bust out the old Benicio del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I was there for it. I was... Uh, I, was... I forgot he was in it, and then he <laughs> showed up, and like I like phantom turned to tell you like <laughs> right <laughs> oh i i knew he was in there i was waiting oh man and every time a porg was on screen i lost <laughs> my mind i lost it yeah lots of cuteness though in that movie but i do like that like much more so he i don't know i guess in the empire strikes back they don't exactly like win mm-hmm. i do kind of wish and here's where i really tie it back in Mm. I wish they'd had the balls to actually kill Finn. Yeah. I mean, I know like, what you I mean. Like, I understand that we're all supposed to learn a lesson about toxic masculinity and great man theory. Oh, that is good. Right. That is good. Well, I mean, it just seems like in the situation, that seemed like, it seemed like he was doing the right thing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I look forward to seeing that movie about four more times and deciding <laughs> exactly who did what and how they should be punished. Okay. Anyway, um, back yes. to Peaky Blinders. Where were we? Oh, right. The sentries fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Polly also confiscates the booze of the sentries and mm-hmm. Michael says hello. Polly tells him that he took four bullets. Only one of them was live. One was ricochet and two were already spent. And he says after they passed through John. Yeah. Uh, this is dark, y'all. Yeah, it is. This was a dark show to begin with. But again, I think much like Star Wars The Last Jedi, this show is a much more, it's much more of an exploration of toxic masculinity and the costs of it mm-hmm. than some people give it credit for. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it too much credit. I but... wouldn't give it too much credit either, but they are, I think we talked about this in the last recap, but like they show mm-hmm. the consequences of this violence. Yeah, yeah. And like they... prolonged exposure to this violence mm-hmm. and how it changes these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at where we are. Polly's a wreck. Yeah. Arthur is also a wreck. Mm-hmm. Ada, disturbingly fine. <laughs> yeah. She's actually quite calm all the time. Like Tommy is essentially like a yeah. robot at yeah. this point. Yeah. He's completely like... He's, he's completely decompensated like mm-hmm. all human qualities at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He only has sex with prostitutes now. Like Right. Yeah. Oh. I'll have sex with you, Killian. <laughs> he doesn't want to. He has a wife. <laughs> Boo. I'm sure they're very happy. I'm sure they are, too. He's like a very down-to-earth person who like still takes public transit in Ireland. No, no nice. I know. He's a great person. Oh, I was also going to say about the way John died and Michael survived, I thought was very... Like, there was nothing... In terms of the way the last episode ended... Like, I don't feel like there was any cheating at all in terms of, like... No, it was a very non-Game of Thrones thing to do. Exactly, yeah. Like, this was not, you know, sleight of hand. This Because, I mean, that was the thing. was, like, I... Because we're conditioned... Right. Mm -hmm. By things like Finn not dying. Yeah. (laughs) And by the entirety of Game of Thrones. Right. Which is weird when you consider, like, how the first season of Game of Thrones ends. But yeah, mm-hmm. like we're conditioned to be like, oh, my God, they're going to like pull it out. I mean, we that was our whole thing when we were wrapping up the first recap. We were like, there's no way they're killing both of them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think they'd kill either of them. Yeah. At all. But, 
but they, but did. they did and we salute well, you and Peaky I, Blinders yeah and I'm gonna miss John by the way I don't think we've I adequately know. discussed like, that was the whole first episode of this podcast yeah just being like oh my god John's the cowbell more John <laughs> yeah, I know you know doing a shoot with a pistol come on <laughs> it's phenomenal yep. <laughs> yeah so speaking of john michael remembers his face as he was dying he watched mm-hmm. it happen and he asks after tommy and she basically is like i'm not going to talk to you about him he asks for a cigarette but instead she gives him a pamphlet on australia <laughs> and then also a cigarette <laughs> right so she's been down to the cunard office Ooh. which if you recall is the competitor to the white star line from titanic mm-hmm. and she says there are no italians cunard. in australia <laughs> right which is an, is a i'd like to see some proof of that quite well frankly. but michael michael calls her out on that she's like yeah. well you know no mafia yeah we find out actually that he flushed all of her prison tablets Mm-hmm. down the loop i think or is that the previous episode no that was the previous episode okay anyway but he's saying basically like i'm not going anywhere with you unless you've kicked those prison tablets right which as far as i can tell you know it's it's some sort of drug she got addicted to while she was locked up right right and yeah, all i could find that, when i, I googled know. prison tablets which i did by the way i did a modicum of research <laughs> that, all no, i could good. find was you know nonprofits who give ipads to prisons so which is great <laughs> which, yeah but not necessarily relevant to 1920s birmingham i just wanted to get in there that ever since 1912 cunard's office has been cunard titanic was the other guys <laughs> So Polly found out where her daughter is buried in Australia, which is a perfectly sane thing to do. (laughs) And so Michael tells Polly, you know, she's got to get better fast, you know, get off this insane talking to ghost kick. And they got to get through this whole thing with the Changretas. And then they will go to Australia, which is a lie. But okay, (laughs) fine. Yeah. No, but like, no, this is a very Peaky Blinders are like a Sartre no exit sort of situation. Like, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. So Aiden Gillen is walking through Charlie's yard and he asks how much to buy it. And Charlie's like, it's not for sale. And I'm giving you the same skeptical look I give everyone that's younger than me. Um, (laughs) Or just anyone that's not me. (laughs) Right. Basically. Everybody older than Charlie is dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Killian and Arthur are standing around drinking out of flasks, and Aiden Gillen again tries to buy it, and Tommy says it's not for sale, and it's like, oh, everything's for sale. I'm Aiden Gillen. And. Uh, <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. Like, I'm impressed. <laughs> Thanks. Because when you, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, let's say, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Tommy says, like, oh, well, all right. We're going to flip a... Well, they're going to spin a coin for the yard. If it's heads, uh, Abarama Gold gets the yard. And I'm if sorry, it's tails... his name is Abalama Ding Dong? Abalama Ding Dong will get Charlie's yard. Charlie not thrilled by this development. However, if it is tails, Killian will fuck his daughter. Uh, Esmeralda's the prettiest one. Aiden Gillen's like, uh... And Tommy and Arthur are standing there like, yeah, it's there's no going back on this wager. This is a, you know, this is a real deal. Go for it, buddy. And so he's like, okay, fine. You win this little dick measuring contest. But he says that he'll, he'll hold the penny and use it to buy flowers to put on Tommy Shelby's grave when the time comes. And Tommy says, well, until that time, stop disrespecting my friends and their property. So This scene was so good. It was. And again, it's yeah. like completely bone chilling how bloodless Killian is in this role. Mm-hmm. And, like, the feminist in me is like, oh, my God, like, consent and whatever. Right. But, like, the person that enjoys how violent and upsetting this show is was like, <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know what? To be perfectly honest, I don't think Killian would do that. Oh, yeah. I don't think so either. I don't think there was any intention. of No. But yeah. he knew that his reputation was such that Abalama Ding Dong would believe him. Yeah. And like if it came to it, he'd be like, listen, let's just like be in this room and like we'll pretend to have sex and I'll tell you this weird story about this Russian chick who shot a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. And it's it's more like, you know, Abalama Ding Dong couldn't even take the wager because even if he won, he still like has wagered his daughter and that's just like, you know. Yeah. 
which is so, you know feminist in and of itself even if it's not it's um, yeah like <laughs> in a very strange way but I, I i see what you mean in a very unusual way <laughs> I'm a love my ding dong. anyway yeah <laughs> it's from my musical three and a half about Abalama Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> Two right. people will find that amusing. <laughs> it's kind of a memento that's, joke. That's the, well, that's that's basically our target for most of our jokes. I know, right? I wonder why we're not more successful. <laughs> uh, I blame the media. I do too. The new media. <laughs> that's right. We're getting held, held down by big podcast. I mean, we kind of are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Their minimum download requirements for getting sponsorship are very high. They, they are. Why won't you pay us to advertise your, your products to nobody? Come on. <laughs> that's what marketing is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the Peaky Blinders are having Christmas in Charlie's yard since nobody got to have Christmas because John got killed. Right. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. I, that is not yeah. a good Christmas memory right there. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, you're funny, Amy. Funny lady. Oh, thank you. So they all drink a toast to John, which, you know, that's nice. Johnny is explaining to some guy how to spit geese. Johnny Dogs. I'm sorry. Johnny Dogs is explaining to Charlie right. how to yeah. spit geese. I'm like... Charlie knows how to spit geese, you turd. <laughs> anyway, and then he's like, "Where's the everybody potatoes? knows? You take a stick and you put a goose on it. Like, what do you? <laughs> you put it in its mouth and then you shove it out the ass. Like, what right. is hard about that? <laughs> I'm not saying I could do it in such a way that everybody didn't get cholera, <laughs> but I get the basic concept." <laughs> Anyway, Johnny loses his mind and says that they have to have potatoes so Abalama Ding Dong doesn't think they live like Diddy Koi. <laughs> and I'm like, isn't he Diddy Koi? Like, why do you even right. give a shit? Yeah. Also, I feel like I feel like potatoes are like, that's not like high class food. I mean, these aren't like, these people are like, what you know, like Diddy Koi is to white trash whatever the equivalent of redneck is you know what i'm saying yeah like, yeah whatever the hierarchy is i mean look yeah these are not classy people but some of them can have fucking potatoes <laughs> just like i feel like johnny dogs has this rivalry with abalama ding dong that like abalama ding dong does not know about <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like johnny who <laughs> i'm not as good at doing aiden gillen as you well i think i just got lucky on that one i'm not <laughs> you're not making any promises no i'm not yeah so the women come back and they all bitch about being in small heath again in their posh mm. clothes yeah and tommy comes over to talk to polly and asks about michael this is where polly makes fun of him for fucking whores right and i well, thought initially i thought that for some reason she was saying that shelby company limited was right. only in the whore business right and i was like but she what's starts that, talking about the factory for are they making <laughs> fembots like yeah. all of a sudden it's a westworld <laughs> crossover <laughs> oh god no yeah. yeah oh my god yeah. though what would you do if jeffrey wright showed up on this show uh i would be surprised <laughs> i would also be surprised and delighted yeah season five come on steve knight fulfill this very specific and difficult request <laughs> they've already filmed season five so anyway killian hits right back at Polly and says that she's going just like his mother did with the spiritualism at the end of her life. Mm -hmm. And Polly takes offense to that and says she's not going a particular way and she has a gift and blah, blah, blah. But she has taken the lesson of the bleak midwinter escapade mm -hmm. and has realized that because the noose was around her neck, everything after that is extra. And she says... When you're dead already, you're free. Fucking love it. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know that this is the lesson that you need here, Polly, but okay. No. But she says she'll help Killian through this whole situation because of Michael and make sure that he's going to be vetting his whores and all of his factory men because they'll be trying to infiltrate or the you know the Changretas will be trying to infiltrate in those ways, mm -hmm. and she warns him about Abalema Ding Dong, who <laughs> I wrote in my notes I will apparently call by his name at this point, but no, I no. shall not. No, Abalema Ding Dong, it is. 
Or Aiden Gillen. Or Aiden Gillen. I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, since he can't act, there's not too much point in using his character name. You know, I'm just amazed. Like, the older I get, the more I'm like, wow, just because people are doing a thing doesn't mean they're any good at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weirdly I don't, true. I don't know if there's a lesson there, but it's just how I've been feeling lately. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, our president is no good at being the president. Yeah. And yet like, here our we are. president is worse at being the president than George W. Bush was. And whatever your political af- <laughs> whatever your political affiliation is, I think we can all agree that George W. Bush was not really cut out for that job. <laughs> right. You know, he did his best. Like, I feel like George W. Bush would have been like an amazing gym teacher. <laughs> right. You know, you, and like which some you like... Which you could not say about Donald Trump's fat ass. Oh my gosh, no. I mean, he's not even good at running a business. So this is like the second thing he's terrible at <laughs> that he's allowed to do. Yeah. So we see someone currying a horse as Abalama Ding Dong is lighting a pipe. Uh, Killian comes in and has brought some booze. He compliments the horse. And uh, Aiden Gillen's like, oh, nothing you see is for sale, Mr. Shelby. Haha, now it's my turn to say that. Like, um, guess what, Abalama Ding Dong? No one thinks you're cute. Yeah. I guess there was some old feud between their grandparents and about money and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Apparently, Tommy, because of this, Tommy owes Abalama Ding Dong some money. There's some unsettled debt between them. Right. Uh, I think Tommy is unconvinced. Uh, but anyway, Killian's trying to figure out what the hell he wants. And apparently, in a surprising move, uh, Abalama Ding Dong wants Shelby to help his son, who is named Bonnie. That's an even more surprising move. <laughs> yes. Turns out he's a boxer. I was surprised. That was much more wholesome than I was expecting. <laughs> this is my son, Bonnie. He wants to be a whore and a factory man. <laughs> We see a car in an empty street, so I guess all of Birmingham is shut down today for some reason. Yeah, apparently. Drops someone off somewhere. Oh, but it's Moss. Good old Moss. Moss. Hey, you know who I miss, though, sometimes? Yeah. Christ. (laughs) Master Shelby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sam Neill. Like, I'm so glad that he died. Like, I'm not. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't miss, don't miss his miss character. Him. Yeah. But, like, damn, those were good days. Yeah. So he knocks at Linda's door, and she's, like, you know, in her nightgown, but, like, packing heat. <laughs> and she gets to the door and asks who it is. When she finds out that it's Moss's, she answers, and she tells him, you know, don't go over to Charlie's. Everybody's over there, you know, eating goose and getting drunk. They yeah. would not want to see a policeman show up all of a sudden. <laughs> but he says That's he's got basically some in- any party. <laughs> but he says he's got some intelligent... That the feds who are after the Bolsheviks are after Ada Thorne for mm-hmm. inciting rebellion just because she used to suck the D of that ineffectual Bolshevik back right. in the day and mm-hmm. had his baby. He's like, they are not kidding. And like, this is, you know, they don't give a shit about the mafia, but they do give a shit about Bolsheviks. So, well, and they think that she's been stationed in New York specifically, like, to be in contact with the Bolsheviks. And why did I? she was in boston i feel like they definitely had a port in boston and that was where she was before also where's her kid oh it's fine is it uh so a truck pulls into charlie's yard and curly lets it in and who is it (gasps) horse bitch (laughs) yes she is back baby aka charlotte riley aka may what's her name yes Uh, (laughs) curly asks if she's she's going to train the horse to race and she says yes so we asked her not to use the crop because the horse is gentle she says she won't i Uh, love her and curly it is like the sweetest dynamic well because curly like he knows horses Mm -hmm. yeah and then she asks how tommy shelby is doing and curly says (laughs) oh there's these guys from new york you know the mafia they're trying to kill us all but uh it's okay aunt polly's back we're gonna be fine (laughs) (laughs) and may is just like wow like i'm not surprised (laughs) but also like i'm a little surprised yeah (laughs) she's like i wasn't expecting the answer to be so on brand (laughs) yeah so back at shelby company limited the Mm -hmm. factory supervisor is concerned about the revolution which is due to start at noon i believe or 11 a.m it's starting at a specific time well i think they said 11 just so everybody would start it by noon (laughs) (laughs) i mean 
it's the late 1920s. I think they can make it their beeswax <laughs> to start revolutions on time. So Tommy goes and finds some boiler man and he pays him a fat wad of cash to fight Bonnie. So this guy used to be a boxer he says he can't fight this kid because he's a welterweight at best and this guy was a heavyweight fighter and i was like boxing at work it's just like a startup wow so they set up a ring on the floor of the factory and i was surprised bonnie is actually an excellent fighter yeah i was fully expecting abalama ding dong to have been blowing (laughs) smoke and that he was shit and this giant guy was gonna but like because, yeah. I mean, basically, you know, he's in there and nothing much is happening. And, you know, I believe it's Tommy who expresses some skepticism. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you know, I just wanted to make it interesting. And then he's like, finish him, Bonnie. Yeah. And he beats the shit out of him. Yeah. Well, because he talks about how he's, uh, according to Apple Lama Ding Dong, this is why they're not allowed at the fair. Because Bonnie keeps winning all the boxing matches. Yeah. And he's in very good health. No fits. No asthma. And he only sometimes drink porters. And uh, somebody says Jesse Eden is there. I forget why she brings it up, but she says she's unmarried. She's and- talking to the, like, whoever, like, the manager is that's, like, let her in. Uh-huh. So he calls her Mrs. Eden, and she says Oh, it's right, Miss. right. Yeah. And then he says, be patient. A good man'll come. <laughs> and she's just like, what, bro? Yeah. <laughs> the only good man is a man on strike. <laughs> Back down by the impromptu mid-workday boxing match, we learn that uh, Alfie Solomons runs a fighter. <gasps> Which is great news because that means probably Alfie Solomons will be in this season of Peaky Blinders. Which is delightful. In um, like... In like a funsies, like not trying to kill Tommy Shelby way, which is the best yeah, way. Yeah, just, just in a wacky, you know, boxing hijinks way. Right? Yeah, you know, the comic relief. Yeah. <laughs> but I was still like, when he's like saying all this stuff, like the manager's there and I'm like, this isn't on the roadmap. <laughs> we can't just take on this boxer. <laughs> we don't have any head count this quarter. <laughs> so uh, Tommy gives Bonnie a hat for winning i guess i don't know no uh, he says you're a peaky blinder now oh right it's a yeah it's a special hat it's a symbolic hat right also like practical and uh deadly Mm -hmm. we haven't seen them actually use those hats for a while anyway no and i was just gonna say he probably has to supply his own razors uh typical well you know how you know tech companies like to cut corners on (laughs) swag (laughs) that's right um, meanwhile, uh, Arthur gives Ablam a ding dong the money. Yeah, he gets, I forget what the cut, I think it is the cut 60-40? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So Killian goes up to the Art Deco office and Jesse Eden, you know, attempts to do the polite thing by saying she's sorry for his loss. And he says, listen, I don't care. Like, we're not here to talk about this. And they both agree to be blunt. And he basically calls her bluff on the strike. And she was hoping they could have a discussion and, you know, that they could alter his decision to cut wages by five shillings and all this stuff. And um, that's what she's done with other owners. And Tommy Shelby says, I'm not other owners. And they're clearly going to have sex. Not now, but later. You know, when it's advantageous to Tommy Shelby, they will be having sex. (laughs) And not a minute before. And then she observes that it almost seems like he wants trouble why so it does yeah and he's like yeah i don't care what you think go start your dumb strike dumb dumb and she does i don't care if these factories make any money i'm only running whores now so okay i am gonna blaze through this next part because Uh. the less time we can spend on this the better because this is just lazy plot i don't know like it was just so transparently adrian brody who if you recall sexually assaulted a woman on national television that's right and was in no way punished that's right uh he is there to meet with killian and they have you know a dick measuring contest and basically his whole thing is oh it was so easy to get in here and killian gets out a gun and adrian brody's like oh listen to my horrible marlon brando impression and look in there because i had somebody come in here and take all the bullets out yeah and then i'm like seriously like super villains quit monologuing yeah like just stop i just noticed that he has a neck tattoo which makes me hate it more yep so they basically just agree to terms for the war which is no civilians no children and no police gee Mm -hmm. do you think they're going to adhere to these terms 
Well, I think if there's anybody you can trust, it's gangland criminals. So yes, absolutely, um, we're pretty much set. The one thing they're I the only wanted... people that I use as babysitters. <laughs> That's right. There should be a website for that. <laughs> <laughs> Babes in gangland. That's, yeah, perfect. Because then not only is you're getting a reliable babysitter, but you're also getting a delightful comedy. <laughs> Anyway, I hate Adrian Brody, and I also hate this character, and yeah. I hope that he dies. I know he's not going to die until I episode know. six. I know. But the whole yeah, point of him is to be a showdown in the final episode, but sweet God. to Jesus, I hate him. Yeah, he's not great. The only thing I wrote down in this scene was when he talks about how his uncle... He's got a, his suit was made by his, a tailor who's his uncle, so every stitch was stitched with blood. They smell terrible. <laughs> a stitch in blood will save mud m- i don't know mud sure <laughs> so arthur and killian are hanging out talking about how birmingham smells well it's still on fire just in case anybody was concerned it's very much still ablaze in birmingham uh arthur kind of loses a little bit he's just like grimacing and like and uh tommy just starts firing his gun random uh because he's also upset and uh well also he finally got bullets in the gun again <laughs> right <laughs> he's enjoying that uh loaded gun feeling <laughs> you've got that loaded feeling yeah it's a nice feeling <laughs> <laughs> and then uh the, and johnny cash playing under this which i think might be the first time they've used johnny cash which is Was almost it surprising cash? i'm pretty sure it sounded I just don't know. like him. you you just rewatch this and i haven't rewatched it so right right i couldn't tell you a dang thing and uh yeah and that's that's the end of episode two so the outstanding question for me at this point, what happened to Polly's boyfriend? Right. And I'm not even being facetious. Uh-huh. Because. Do we know? Well, I mean, she went to jail right. for at least a few months and we just haven't heard anything. I mean, obviously she's had bigger things on her mind, but. I mean, they had, you know, they were in a reasonably serious relationship. Talking about how Birmingham smells. No, they decided to be together at the end when Tommy convinced her that he was the one who sold them out to the Russians. And it wasn't him, which Tommy never bothered to correct himself on. And she tried to kill him and she Mm -hmm. fucked up the painting. And then he was like, hey, crazy, like, come on. (laughs) <laughs> let's come on let's, rom- let's romantic comedy this yeah yeah so anyway i'm just i'm just curious if we'll be seeing him again and or just like if they're gonna address it at all which could go either way we also don't know where ada's kid is so <laughs> right <laughs> i'm yeah. not feeling super confident that these loose ends are gonna be tied up <laughs> yeah look horse bitch is back alfie <laughs> solomon's most likely gonna be back mm-hmm. i know that adrian brody is gonna die eventually please <laughs> right. god oh my god what if he doesn't die what if they <sighs> okay i can't deal with this yeah no they won't do that I don't, you know what? I didn't think they'd kill John. I don't know what they'll do. Right. When they said Alfie Solomon's name, we reacted like when they say Aslan's name in Narnia. Or the way Lucille Bluth responds to Jean Parmesan's name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think right. that is about it for this episode. Mm-hmm. So we are going to stop here. Yep. By order of the Peaky Blinders. <laughs>